welcome to Tim Voxelbaum Show. My name's Tim Voxelbaum. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, poet, slam poet, wrestler, dodgeball player, coach of dodgeball as well. And I'm also a coach of the, of artistry, of acting, too. I'm an actress. I'm an actress. I don't like actors who call themselves actors. If you're an actor who happens to have a twat, you're a, you're a freaking actress. You're not an actor. They go, I respect actors such as Clarence Thomas, such as a woman's name, such as... Anna Nicole Smith. I respect actors like her. Well, she's not an, she's an actress. Men are actors. Actresses are women. M- women are actresses. Like Judy Garland was not an actor. She was an actress. Just like when waiters are men and waitresses are, wait- are women too. Because they have twat. I did not plan on starting on such a politically incorrect tone and note. And st- but sometimes that's what happens when you're an old man in his 40s who happens to be a baby boomer, sympathizer. I'm not a baby boomer by technicality. I'm a baby boomer by spirit. Whenever I see a baby boomer getting dragged out of a Yankee stadium for saying the N-word too often which is more than any at all, which is like a lot, which is like, whenever I see that, it's not about him saying the N-word, it's that him, it's him being himself and expressing his freedom of heart, his his soul is, uh, you know, I like baby boomers because they are stuck in their own ways from the 70s, in the 80s, mostly the 70s, I believe, is when they're most locked in, in the 80s. I don't freaking know, it depends on the, person depends on i respect baby boomers because i'm i like not changing i like money and security and not the environment don't like the environment i think i've talked about it before on this thing i don't like the environment i like it but i don't care about it i like that it's nice and pretty but if you look under the weeds with a microscope you'll see these nasty bacterias and tarantulas and bad things like centipede like you'll see things that are horrifying on the environment that's where they are they're on the environment the planet the environment is just the top of the planet where there's air it's nothing when you when you break it down like that and tell it like it is that's all the environment is it's just the top of a planet it's the it's the shell of a planet where the air is where you can walk around and it's not melty with lava everywhere. There's no molten rock. It's solid frozen rock. That's the technical term for a rock that's not molten. Well, it's frozen. You could have many forms of rock. So anyway, that's if I, but I don't care about the environment. Because I'm a baby boomer sympathizer. When they're dead, I'm going to be wearing all their t-shirts. Because they'll be dead and they'll be donated to Goodwill or on eBay or at a garage sale. Estates, that's it. Estate sales is where you get cool clothing for baby boomers. 
And we're wearing their clothing. And then the millennials or Zoomers or whatever the hell you call them, Generation Alpha, that survived their, that succeeded their stupid baby boomer parents. I hate them uh, because they don't respect the, their elders, uh, their parents, the baby boomers, their grandparents. Some baby boomers are great grandparents if they're really doing well. So the environment is what we're going to talk about for another about two minutes to four minutes. Uh, the environment, uh, the reason I don't care about it is not because I'm like some polluter who just wants to kill all the animals and plants and, and uh, spread oil into the soil and kill the oceans and make them brown. I don't want to do that, but also I don't really want to not do that because there's other oceans on the planet. There's really many oceans, and also forget it that I, I misspoke. I don't care about the planet. I meant the universe. When I said planet, I was like, "What's the biggest thing in the world?" Well, the planet. There's things way bigger than that in the world. It's called the universe. If you heard of this thing, you don't hear about it too often because it's not here. To get there, you have to leave the planet. Then you're in the universe. Then you're in the solar system. Something bigger than the planet. You can't just go like, well, I'm. where am I? You're not on the planet. So you'll, so you'll have to call it something else. You're in the universe. Still. Okay. Just, the reason I'm talking about the environment is because I don't care. Because we're going to kill this earth. No matter what, something's going to happen. We're going to keep pumping oil out of the ground. And pumping heat out of the solar. We're going to keep pumping energy from the sun into our uh, solar panels. And that's bad for the, the environment, too, because it produces heat. Because it collects the heat that should that is supposed to go to plants, seals, porpoises, and other fauna and, and fudge, whatever you call it, flora. That's where the sun is supposed to go. So if we hog all the light for our Teslas, anything... Something's going to happen. Anyway, something's going to kill the earth. And long story short, it's inevitable unless you take a gun to everybody's head except for everybody, except for two people. If you kill everybody except for one or two, twelve hundred people, you know, a thousand, up to a million, whatever. If you kill everybody but a million people, if you kill 99.9 percent of the population then it'll last then the environment will turn amazing the environment will be beautiful there'll be no pollution i mean there's still there there will still be tons of pollution like microplastic there's nothing we could do about that the microplastics are already everywhere there's already nuclear fallout everywhere too so the environment's done it's over if you're an environmentalist that's the hardest job on the planet not in the universe just on this planet on other planets is way easier because we haven't screwed it up yet to be an environmentalist is easy if you're talking about mars i'm a liberal and if someone asks me hey are you a vegan environmentalist i go yeah on mars where there's nothing else to do but preserve it and eat Okay, there's no there's no animals on Mars. Yeah, I'm a vegan on Mars. You freaking dope head. Yes, pothead, hemp, necklace, Birkenstock wearer, and whatever Petroj Petrushi, Patchouli wearing. 
neckbeard who smells funny. It doesn't, but is a capitalist because they're ironic because they don't because everybody nobody who's an actual environmentalist they just call themselves that because they're mentally ill and they don't love themselves so they have to hate other people to feel like they are better than them so they do feel self love that's how they get their own self love by hating other people on Twitter they go on Twitter it's still around it's, I don't call it X. I'm talking about the one that Jack Dorsey made. I'm talking about his version of Twitter, which is technically okay. It doesn't exist. Those assholes are not real, legit environmentalists. If they were, they'd be scrubbing the microplastics and nutrient fallout out of every leaf, and that's impossible. It's impossible to unpollute the planet, and they're using their iPhones and they got their Birkenstocks. And their hemp necklaces that they bought at a Hot Topic or some other corporate shill shithole. All these punks. Even in the 80s, there was there was a, such a thing as hypocritical punks. Whenever when, you know, remember punks from the 80s? No, because they're all dead. Because everybody remembers that is is a, is a baby boomer in their 50s. Nobody remembers punks from the. Because they're all dead, or they're in their 50s and they're old as hell, man. But anyway, those guys were hypocrites too. Punks were hypocrites. Because remember when Michael Jackson put out the music video for Bad? You know, I'm bad. That song. He was, he was dancing. He wore this cool uh, black punk leather suit and he had like a belt that was had a bunch of studs on it. Yeah, he got that at a punk store. In New York, that was known as like the most hip place to buy with money uh, clothing made by uh, uh, it was capitalism. So they got mad at the owner of the store. They boycotted the owner. They called him a sellout for selling a piece of clothing to Michael Jackson, who went there incognito. And they're like, "Oh, now he's a sellout because he put out a because he sold something to a popular guy." So now he's a, not before when he was making a shitload on the fad itself, only when it goes to somebody popular who puts it in a music video for some. Then he's a sell, but not when he's making a living off it from just his internal, just from other people who are just also jumping on the bandwagon. He was a sellout the second he started selling that shit. Not when Michael Jackson bought a belt. So that pisses me off. It's like, oh, you're. you're you give them shit. When meanwhile, he's a he, you should you're a hypocrite. If you want to be a punk, you can't just do what other people are doing. That's not punk to just go to a store and then you leave a punk because you bought the right fucking shit. That's not what a punk does. A punk just happens to look that way because they're individuals and they just happen to roll out of bed and they just have this eclectic. If you have to dress a certain way to fit in into a niche circle. That's not a that's not punk. That's just being a shill for some other thing. That's just being trying to be cool. Cool is uncool. And uncool is cool. You get it? Alright, so that's the environment. We're not gonna we're gonna stick, we're done talking about that. So cool is un, like trying to be cool, like cool, man. That's hip. That's uncool. Like hipness is uncool. 
being self-aware how uncool you are, that is cool because it's authentic. People like authentic. Sorry, I just... Okay, people like authentic. Authentic. Because I don't know, people just like people that are that are uncool. Uh, I'm nerds are cool. Like being a okay, but that's a whole other thing that people also try to do to get laid. Now people try to get laid by going to the nerd store, by going to uh, fries, yeah, or micro center. People go to micro center and they go to the modem section. They go to the fiber section. They see all this uh, cat two or whatever cat whatever the hell you call the cable for the modems and they they just stand there looking at it waiting for some chicks to go by and they and then they see if the chicks are into that and they talk about bitcoin anyway the environment is over with so if you're an environmentalist that's fine as long as it's on a different planet as long as you're talking about mars yeah i'm an environmentalist on mars I'm a vegan on Mars. Why? Because there's all there is to eat. All there is to eat there is vegan crap. Because we haven't discovered a way to make cows breathe less oxygen. And we're not going to share our oxygen with them. So it's, we got to start small. We're going to start very small when it comes to meat on Mars. We're going to start eating, like, I don't know, squirrels or something. Bugs. That's not, that's vegan. That's not vegan. That's disgusting. So I am going to be vegan and an environmentalist on Mars, which is very easy to do because the environment there is already pristine. The environment there can't be any better because we haven't fucked it up yet. We just put a bunch of tracks in there for a bunch of wheels for the probes. What do you call those probe things that, you know, those rollerblades, things with the wheels on them? Probes. I don't know what they're called. I don't know what they're called. But uh, the environment on Mars should be preserved because we're the Native Americans. When Whoever gets there first is the Native Americans and whoever gets there second is the colonizing evils that we're going to be... Ra- we're going to call them racist the second they get there because colonization is fucked up. Colonizing anything is fucked up for the second time you do it. The first time you do it is natural. That's just you're a Navi, you're a Native American, you're a beautiful, natural spirit animal. But the second anyone else gets there and tries to colonize it, they're freaking evil, racist, scum, white supremacists. So so we got to get there first. And by that, by me, by we, I just mean whoever can afford to get there, rich people. People that with grit who have the resources to just make it there like pioneers did in the old western days. So anyway, there's going to be new diseases on Mars. There's going to be something even worse than the ones we got here. There's going to be syphilis, but the Mars version of that is going to be uh, dystentery. There's going to be a lot of that bad stuff going on, so we deserve to celebrate the culture as whatever it is uh, with Elon being at the helm. Elon's like, like he's already turning evil. He's he's already going through his uh like if this was a movie it would be in the second act right now this would be like the second act Elon would be his character development would be the part where he's turning evil isn't that freaking good of a point that like not of a, it's not good but isn't it cool that like we're we're witnessing in real time but a lot slower than a movie would be because movies are slower when you're actually experiencing them. 
in real life. Movies are usually like edited down, so you see the character arc in like an hour. This is taking like years. So Elon is putting out all this junk, like the Cybertruck, which is like under-delivered, has all these huge pieces of stainless steel, which um, just makes it heavy. It's like, he's not an environmentalist. He's like, oh, I'm an environmentalist. Yeah, but it burns oil to get the electricity, and it's such a heavy car that it's moving the car. That's why you need all those batteries. If it was just a bike, it's it's moving all the heavy metal that you put. It's not moving people. It's stupid. So anyway, if you made a bike or something or a Segway that was like two pounds, then it would be an environmentalist thing, maybe. And yeah, Elon Musk is going through his turning evil phase of the movie because he's like, "Fuck you!" If you don't, whatever he said on that uh, CNBC, he's like, "Oh, you don't want to advertise? Suck my cock!" Fuck you, Disney boy. Where you at, Michael Eisner? Fuck you. So he's getting pissed off and he's turning evil and he's turning anti-Semitic. Thankfully. Um, because I like seeing people turn evil and hope in Kanye, I'm assuming he'll be involved at some point. They will link up in Starlink to, uh, you know, they'll, they'll go on uh, star, whatever they call the stupid thing, starship enterprise. And it'll be them as the leaders of Mar. So, you know, he's turning into an evil, uh, villain. And, uh, that interview that came out like two weeks ago with that CNBC bloke. The guy looks like a Lego character. He's got like hair that looks like it snaps on and snaps. It's like such a boring haircut. And he's such a robotic, boring, bore fuck. That he's just like, hey, Elon. So I heard you posted some anti-Semitic bullshit on Twitter. And Elon was like, yeah, I don't want to have to fuck, suck my cock. And that just blew everything out of the water that this interviewer was supposed to... Then the interviewer tried to actually, like, go after... Like, say something... Like, try to get things back. The interviewer was trying to, like, pull him back to reality and thought he was going to actually, like, land the interview. He was like, so, but don't you think there's a reality to this? Don't you think... And I was like, nobody's listening to you. You boring Lego fuck. Nobody cares what you have to say after he just did that. After Elon just did that, you think we're going to watch what you have to say? He just looked like he was bombing after that. Yeah, but Elon, don't you think that... Like, dude, you suck. I don't know, just by comparison, Elon was more interesting, so he like he stole the spotlight, and then that interviewer was like, okay, well, I'm an interview. No, you're done. You're no longer an interviewer at this point. Just take take a bow and leave the stage. Why don't people ever do that? You never see interviewers walk out on interviews. You only see the people being interviewed walk out. I've never seen an interviewer be like, well, okay, I'm done. And then take off the, the mic, you know? You know how people take off their mics when they're walking out of an interview and they can never figure out how to get it off? You never see the interviewer leave their own interview because they're pussies. You never see that. It's always the guy being interviewed. He's like, you know what? I'm done. Interview. You don't need to interview Elon. He's a fucking genius. Nobody's, not very many people are good enough to interview Elon. 
Okay, that's enough about that. Let's start the show for real, though. That's not what I wanted to talk about, man. You know, I'm just I'm getting warm. I'm very antsy. I'm very antsy from being on a shitload of coffee, which I don't normally drink. I switched to tea because it's less offensive on my adrenals glands. On my adenosine-producing adrenal glands. But I switched to coffee, and the second you get that first pop from coffee, it's like, well, now I gotta drink a whole gallon of it. Because I guess now I want to get that freaking boost. So that's uh, yeah yeah. So I'm very antsy and you know, I'm not on a, I'm not on a lot of drugs right now. I'm very sober. So let's do a quick sober update. Flash the promo or whatever. Play the thing, the clip. Play the theme music for sobriety. Okay, so sober update. I'm still a hundred percent sober. Living like a freaking G- angel, like an angel. I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody since I was get, became sober. Uh, like un- unlike Kendall, unlike Kendall, uh, whatever his freaking last name is, I forgot what their last names was in that stupid show. But he killed somebody, so I'm better than him. I'm not a billionaire, but I'm a better person than him. He's, he's I'm better at rapping. I'm better at him than everything you could possibly. He's not a serious person. Kendall Roy. Okay, now that I got my thoughts together, sobriety. So I'm I'm still dead sober from alcohol. Two years sober from alcohol. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? And I'm also sober from cannabis, but I don't really... Uh, yeah, that is the hard part because I can't sleep. I, I could sleep, but I wake up feeling like I, with like a headache and I just feel like junk I, I wake up feeling like junk because I dream all night and I have vivid dreams that are very like uh, like story they're very like epic and I hate it and marijuana suppresses the, the REM sleep so now I'm rebounding for the past year and it hasn't gotten a single bit bad single iota but the sleep apnea mask helps. And I use a, uh, a mouth thing. I bought a mouthpiece that you boil, you put in boiling water and then you chew in, you bite into it and then it leaves an impression and then it, and then it dries and stiffens up. And then you sleep with that. So it's forcing your, your jaw to stay like this throughout the night. So I'm sleeping like this. And with air going into my nose. So I do that sometimes. And when I do that, it's, I usually wake up with, with uh, less of a headache. But I'm still doing horribly uh, ever since I quit the cannabis with uh, a lot. You know, just brain fog and shit like that. Because I was using weed. Oh, shit. Well, there goes this new shirt. I just got this shirt, and I already spilled coffee all over it. Alright, sorry to put a stiff... Sorry to put a deadbolt into this podcast, but I'm not the type of person who can just roll with it when something bad happens in my life during this shot, during this filming of this product that goes out to 6,000 people a day. I'm not the type of person who's like, oh, a perfectly good shirt just got freaking... Permanently ruined. Anyway, uh, 
And it's all over the mic stand too? What? <laughs> I'm pissed. Okay, so so I was talking about sobriety from some from cannabis. Oh yeah, so, so I was using cannabis for dopamine. Not just to like get hot. Because it, it gives you a nice uh, baseline. It, it raises your baseline dopamine levels when you take a puff. So it was doing that for me. Yeah, and that allowed me to actually like work on stuff. Like, isn't that weird? Most people associate uh, weed with like being laid back and like, like just a relaxed. Per- no, it allows me to kind of be mellow and uh, sedate. And uh, the the word I'm looking for is content. Weed kind of made me content. Because of the dopamine, and maybe it's something else. But I just know that there's definitely a relationship between dopamine and lack of dopamine and uh, cannabis. That's what I was using it for. And, uh, so I would use can I would smoke weed and program stuff and like make stuff on. And sometimes I would actually do stuff that other people were involved with. Very rarely, because I'm an ISO. I'm an isolated person. I don't usually like do things that involve other people. I usually just do things that only involve me, myself. So anyway, so I put out, I'll do that. So I was using weed for that. So now that I don't have that, I have to rely on my own will to get myself to do anything, and that's impossible. It's impossible because you don't. I can't take the initiative to even to do anything that's not pleasurable or gives me dopamine. I'm an addict. It's how it feels, at least, even though I'm, I'm technically. I don't think I am. I'm just a dopamine uh, person and lacking dope. I'm a ADHD, but it's uh, so I just take Adder. I just need Adderall, and that helps for about 15 minutes. I take the Adderall, and then I feel that I know it's working when I f- catch myself having thoughts like, "I should move some money to my bank account. I should sell some crypt. I should see, look at the crypto prices. Oh, I should play this game." That you level up in. All that is is just you have dopamine and now you want more. Now you want to do stuff with it. I don't know. That still makes me feel like an addict. Even though I I guess it's normal. Some of it's normal when you get the feeling of like, Oh, I should take care of my finances. And you actually get pleasure just thinking about like transferring money from your bank account to a new bank account. To a brokerage account. I should save some. I should look into my financial portfolio. If you're just dead sober, you don't want to. You don't care about that. You just want to like jerk off, get your dick sucked by a whore, buy a car, drive it into a river, get out. Hopefully nobody died, and then do it again. Then go to Wendy's. You just want to do stuff that gives you pleasure. Instant gratification, but when you're on uh, when you're on stimulants, when you got enough dopamine in your system, then you could focus on long-term shit. Like, oh, oh, maybe I should look at some index funds to in, to put some. Maybe I should look at my Fidelity account. So anyway, that lasts about fifty minutes because I don't have a good my source of uh, uh, my meds. It's hard to get meds, Adderall, because. Um, a lot of people need it. A lot of people need it these days because we live in a world where uh, everything is, is at your fingertips. Porn, 
is at your fingertips. And because of that, we all need Adderall to now look at porn, to look at our portfolio. So anyway, let's get, instead of porn, how about portfolios? Let's talk about that. So we're going to start the episode by, now that we covered the sober topic, um, money. Money is what makes the world go round. Money is energy. It's like fuel. It's a fuel source for doing shit. And for getting... Well, it's for getting other people to do shit. You don't need money to do anything yourself. Like, if you want to be in a band, if you want to work out, you know, you want to, like, start writing some songs or practicing piano, you don't need money for that. But that's not... Yeah, that's boring, though. I mean, who wants to do that? Money is for getting other people to do stuff for you, like getting food delivered to your house, buying an expensive plane ticket, and traveling to a different country, getting somebody to just, like, be in a... You know, to suck your dick. Not to be too X-rated, but... Uh, Elon is in is the one in charge of the world now, and he likes to curse, so, I mean, I think it's okay now. I think the world is now rated X. Now that Elon is president of the world, he's the most inf- uh, powerful, influential person in the world. So you I mean if if, it's, if he says "f you" on TV, that means I can do anything I want. So the portfolio, so financials, finances—that's uh, another addiction. I'm a gambling addict. Whoa. Why do I keep spilling this? There's not even that much in here. All right. Well, I'm going to try to not do that anymore. There is, this is a very expensive carpet. There. No. Okay, so money. I'm, I can't talk about money, man. It's too, it's too sensitive of a subject these days, man. Everybody's crying about how everything's too expensive, man. Ooh, I miss Trump when everything was cheap. We got stimulus checks. And we could just live off the government dime. I miss when gas was a dollar fifty, And you didn't have to deal with people on the road blippity bopping and blocking your way into H-E-B. And there was less road rage and there was less people on the road and you could just stay home and jerk off and do Zoom and take your pants down even when you're not doing the Zoom. When you're doing the Zoom, you didn't need to even be wearing pants no pants and shit like that. And now there's the great pandemic of our lifetime and it's never happened again. And a lot of people die, and that's always a good thing when a lot of people die because I'm an environmentalist, and a lot of people don't need to be here if you want to care about the plant. You know? So, now that we don't got that going on, like, now that everything's back to normal, it, we're kind of bouncing back. Anyway, the economy's doing good, though, in other ways, in ways that, uh, I, mean, I don't know. I just know that there's good things going on. Like, the stock, I'll just talk about what I know about. I know I buy stocks. I've been in the stock market for three years about, which is, you know, enough to uh, think I know about it. I've been through at least one market cycle. I got in in 2020-ish, and then it went up a lot. It went down. It crashed in 2020, and then it worked its way back up. It hit an all-time high. And then it went down for about a year or two, which felt like an eternity. And now it's finally back up. 
the stock market just randomly decided to just go back up in the past three months, two months. It looked really bleak like two weeks ago. Like in October, people were like, yeah, this is shit. It's going to be a hard landing. We're going to be smashing into the runway here in any second. Now bonds are going up. Uh, everybody just has their money on the sidelines because we're expecting a recession. That was just two months ago. Now we're at all we're at a freaking all time high. S and P is at an all time high, like pretty much like forty seven hundred. The S and P five. Look it up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up a freaking chart of the S&P 500. Look where it's at right now. It's at 4,700. Look where it's been previous. Never been that high. Maybe once. Two years ago when Trump was kicked out of office. So anyway, now we're at an all-time... We're at a, All of a sudden, the, 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 the stock market just decided out of nowhere, hey, screw it. Let's just pump all of everything up. Let's pump up all these tech stocks. And the stupid and the Fed chair guy, the Fed guy Powell, he spoke on last Wednesday, and the stupid stock market just shot up like a rocket because this guy was like jerking everybody off in the audience. He was like, you know, I got nothing bad to say this time. We're thinking about it, thinking about cutting rates sometimes here. So, boom, that's all he had to say. He didn't say shit. He didn't say nothing hawkish is the point. He was buttering everybody's biscuit. He was being dovish like Easter. So the stock market shot up like 50 points as he was speaking. And of course, I lost a lot of money because I was hoping that wouldn't happen. I was just like, it's already high. I mean, what's gonna, it's not going to go up. But of course, it went up. I lost a lot of money because I was playing the bears. I was playing bullish I mean, I was I was playing bearish. I had bearish credit spreads. So anyway, that's what I know about. I know that we're in a high point. So it's probably going to get It's probably going to correct at some point next year. You know, it always goes up during the holidays. That's like a just look at the charts. Look at the chart and every December it kind of goes up and that goes down. So you got to r- learn to ride the waves. Don't have all your money invested at any given time this is financial i hate when people just have everything they they just lean one way they never they don't know how to like take advantage of uh the cycles the cycles are how you get loaded you you make money by sitting around and waiting you don't make money by actively selling and buying every single day. Like, oh, what am I? Oh, I gotta sell this because it went up by two percent. Oh, this one shot down. I better sell before it goes down even more. No, you idiot. You make money just sitting on your dick. That's a quote from Charlie Munger. Rest in peace. He just died at ninety-nine years old. And he was a genius investor. And that's what he said. He said, you make money by sitting on your dumb dick. And I know what I'm talking. I know what he's talking about. So now they're at a high point. Okay, so don't invest now, you idiot. And this is financial advice. The reason I'm not doing a disclaimer is because if you're dumb enough to actually Listen to my financial advice. You deserve 
to lose your money. So that's the disclaimer. Despite this being like me giving you financial, it doesn't mean you should listen to it. You're an idiot if you listen to it. So there you go. You can't sue me now because I just said you're an idiot if you listen. So there you go. Now everything I say going forward is completely. Uh, I could I could get away from saying whatever the hell I want because I just disclaimed it. But my advice, financially speaking, is why the hell would you just have everything invested or not? Either one or the other. Like, okay, I'm all in the stock market right now because it's high. Well, you're an idiot because it's going to correct. It always corrects. It always goes down. Once it's super high, the pressure is now to go down. It's a pendulum. It's a pendulum. So now it's going to come down. You shouldn't be buying. Like, why would you buy... Nvidia or these tech stocks that are at an all-time oh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna buy Apple at 200 bucks a pop okay buy sure buy some if you feel like it's gonna keep going up because it will at some point keep going up maybe it'll just keep going up all this next maybe we'll have a one-year-long bull okay that could happen but don't put all your eggs into the market keep some on the sidelines you should never be full bullish and full bear because you never know. You should react. I'm not saying talking about time in the market. I'm talking about I don't know what the hell I'm talking. About. I guess I am talking about time in the market. I'm just saying don't be trading based on emotions. Go against the go. Be a contradictory trader or investor, whatever the frick. I'm a trader, not just an investor. We're talking about that too. Now that I. Ugh. But just on the large resolution, you know, or yeah, low res. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking like low res right now, like bird's eye view investing. Don't put all your money into stocks when it's at, the, at an all time. It's like Bitcoin. If you bought Bitcoin at 70000 you deserve to have lost money. You're still waiting for it to recoup. Because you're an idiot. You should have bought it $200. You had all this time. What are you doing? Everything that goes up corrects a little bit. So wait for it to swoop down at least a little bit. At least wait to invest on a down day. And this is market timing. But within reason, because I'm saying at least, if you're going to put a substantial amount of money into the market, at least do it on a down day. Which th- that'll happen. I could guarantee you there will at least be one down day. You don't have to wait for a freaking crash or a whole market cycle. Just wait for a down day. So to, to, to wrap it up, now that we're in a bull market, don't invest all your money. Have some of it on the sidelines in that money market account so that when it does correct, then you could confidently put some in and know that okay i'm getting a, at least i'm timing the market see i'm for time i'm pro i'm somebody that goes against the grain people to say time in the market always beats timing the market and i go take that palm and shove it up your ass because it doesn't even rhyme i time the market because i'm smarter than the market i'm smarter than the average person i don't give a crap if i ride the wave it's not being it's not being a douche. It's people that surf are not douchebags. They just talk like douchebags. They say brah. They say, hey brah, man, look at that wave. 
Look at that wave. I'm going to try to ride that. See, that's what all I'm doing is I'm trying to wide the waves. Right now, we're at a crest of a super high wave. I'm not putting money into the market. I'm taking money out of the market so that I have cash to put back in because I'm timing the market. Because I don't listen to poetry from Jack Bogle. Look what happened to him. He, he died at 88 years old. So he didn't even, couldn't even make it to 90. So what did he know? Charlie Munger, is a he's the guy who said, uh, I forget, what did he say? Oh yeah, sit on your ass, you idiot. Sit on your balls. That's how you get rich. Because you need, you never, you got to wait for the opportunities to come to you. You don't chase after them. That yes, that is timing, timing the market. No, it's it's timing when you enter the market. You can't. Yeah, the market's gonna do whatever it wants. It's like the ocean. You can't control the ocean. You can control when you jump in. You could wait for the weather to subside. There's that's a better poem than your poem, Boglehead. Boglehead subreddit. Timing the market always beats timing the market. No, it doesn't. Depends on your time horizon. Depends on what you're talking about. If you talk about VTI, talking about the total stock market index fund, uh, or VOO, if you're talking about the S&P, there's no way I would just put a lump sum right now, today. No, I'm going to wait for it to subside a little bit because right now we're in a storm. I mean, it's not, it's not that hard. Or QQQ. Like, I, I would never buy QQQ, the, the, the Qs. I would never buy that fund, that ETF, like right now, the NASDAQ 100, what, you know? Not when it's in this, right, like, all-time high. It's going to bounce. It's going to correct. Okay, I'm pissed off. That's enough about that. So now we're talking about investing in a nutshell. I mean, this is all based on crypto. This is where I learned about this. I lost, but I it works with any market. I made a lot of money in the stock market uh, just by investing a year ago when everything was cheap. NVIDIA was like a lot cheaper just a year ago. Facebook, Meta, those two companies, like those three companies I just named right there. Boom. Every tech stock was super cheap. You could have tripled your money without even breaking a sweat and then sit on your balls and now you could sell and you'd have a whole year of gains that are now long-term capital gains it's how you, so you don't have to pay however much less than you would normally have to pay if it's a short-term gain tax-wise so don't be an idiot okay so then then crypto's up too because we're waiting on this spot etf which is exciting because uh, it'll hopefully bolster the, the price of, I mean, bolster. You don't really got to use the word bolster when all you're saying is that it just moves up the price of crypto. That's all I'm hoping it does. I just want it to move up the price of Bitcoin. Then it'll move up the price of many, many shit coins that I could now finally sell to exit liquidity people that are idiots that buy uh, that don't that do the opposite of what I'm saying. They they buy when everyone else is selling. When the smart people are selling, they're not contradictory. Like everybody's talking, everybody's talking about crypto, right? Oh, what is it? What is it? What shock? 
They're talking about it now, now that it's gone up in value, but they don't care about it when it's worthless. What a shock. Oh, all of a sudden, Shiba Inu is interesting. Oh, I want to buy some Shiba Inu. Well, you had all year. You had two years of a bear market to load your freaking line the sides of your pockets. You could have been lining your pockets with all these cheap coins. But not everyone had a lot of capital because, you know, they spent it all during the bull run of 2021. Okay. That's investing. It's not that. Just go with the market cycle. Now that it, we're in a bull market, it's time to sell, not buy. Is that so hard for you to wrap your freaking head around? Now they're in a bull market, whether it's stocks or crypto or corn. Now it's time to sell so that you have liquidity and capital, dry powder, so that when it corrects, then you can load up on even more. And when it goes up again, you could sell even more. And then it's like a snow. Then you're just getting richer and richer. So I, I've been selling my small amount of... The small amount of crypto I have, uh, which is... You know, I'm just saying it's a small amount because I don't want to get robbed. But uh, I've been selling it and now I have some dry powder to live off and to... Now I could, when it goes back down, I could buy more. Because crypto is a useless, it doesn't have any utility. That's why people only care about it during bull runs. Because it's not like it does anything. Nobody relies on it for survival or anything. It's, crypto doesn't solve any problems. It's all about hype and memes. But that's why you only invest a small percentage of your net worth into it. And there you go. Boom. Maybe, so, you know, Bitcoin yeah, I think I think Bitcoin is worthwhile. Like it's worth having some long term, but that's until people realize that it's useless, or at least when it gets replaced by something better. Because right now it's not that good. It's not that good. It costs a ton of money to transact, and it's not fast compared to uh, Bitcoin Cash, for example. And there's many other way better crypto blockchains. I mean, Ethereum is more, is expensive, but there's layer twos. You know, I guess Bitcoin has light, lightning network, but, you know, Bitcoin is just the original one. That's the only reason it's worth more than Ethereum. It's because of the first one. It's not because it's better. So people that are like super bullish about Bitcoin, it's like, well, you know, it, it'll probably be replaced by something better. But yeah, it is precious. I get it is precious right now, but not to have your whole net worth like if you had theoretically 50,000 bitcoin would you just have it all your money in bit that'd be stupid unless you're a criminal and that's your only choice yeah bitcoin's great for that it's great for criminals at large but if you're a normie with uh, all your money in bitcoin and you just sell off a tiny bit at a time to pay your bills you're an idiot put it in something else because Bitcoin is not the same as the internet. It is going somewhere. It's not solving that many problems except for crime. It solves crime. The part where, you know, it solves a problem in crime. Uh, the part where it, it makes crime more easy. So it doesn't solve crime. I mean, it solves a problem in crime. It, it prevents barriers in crime. It, it accelerates. It's a... It advances crime. 
it's a it's a solution for criminals um like if you know in the sense that like how businesses have solutions like you sell okay it's an enterprise it's a tool for criminals so is that where you want your money okay so that's that now let's talk about trading so i've been a trader for about a month and a half i'm around it's really just a little over a month i've been a day trader in stocks specifically the stock not stocks but the stock market derivatives of of stocks i've been invested not i've been trading uh, the S&P 500 SPX uh, ticker index, it's, a, it's not a fund, it's a derivative, it's an index that is controlled by the Chicago Options Exchange, the Chicago Board Options Exchange, CBOE, they're the ones who create it and control it, and it's a liquid instrument that you day trade or hold, or, you know, or long-term buy and sell trade you trade you can only trade it it's not something you invest in you don't buy and hold uh spx look it up spx is just the s p 500 it's just the index there's no fund behind it you can't buy shares of it you can only do contracts it's it's a derivative it's only for selling buying and selling options and it, if you don't know what that means, you're not a drug addict. Or at least you're not one that has snorted this particular drug. The first one's free. So I got into it a couple months, like a month ago. I discovered such a thing as credit spreads because you don't need as much capital. Because if you do one contract, if you buy one contract of SPX, it costs $470,000 in at least that's the underline. The underline is worth that. So you need that much in buying power to buy or, or at least to sell one. Con to buy it, you just need whatever the option's worth, which is depends on the particular option. Jesus, this is so freaking uh, so. If you're not into, if you don't know what I'm talking about, why would you listen to this? It's so I've been into. I've been extremely addicted to it. I kind of talked about it on the last episode. Been day trading the uh, the SPX and sometimes the Nasdaq 100 too, which is just NDX. It's less liquid. It's uh, more volatile. You also make my money. So the VIX is not so volatility is how I've been making money. Not by betting on directional trades. Not by going okay. I believe that it's going to pop up today. I I think the stocks, the SPX, the S and P is going to go up today. Like Fed Powell is going to speak and it's going to shoot up. I'm going to buy a call option for SPX. I don't do that. That is probably less risky, but also it's less fun because you have to put up money up front. You have to debit money from your account and then hope that you get money back. That's boring. That's I don't get why people would even do that. You're just hoping it goes up and then otherwise you just lose your initial investment okay maybe some people are in that my style is to sell options which is where you collect a premium up front you're selling it to somebody else who's doing what i just described you're selling it to somebody who's hoping 
that it goes up or down. If you sell a call option, they're hoping that it goes up. You're hoping as the seller or writer that it goes nowhere because it'll slowly lose value because of theta. It could also lose value because of delta. These are called the Greeks. And if you don't know what the Greeks are, get out of here. You're not qualified to do this drug. You could do the drug without knowing anything about that, actually. The less you know, the better. Because it doesn't matter, man. At the end of the day, it's, it's whether you win or lose, man. It could either hit the strike price, go into the money, or stay out of the money, or be right on the edge. And when it's right on the edge, that's when you're fucking getting stressed. That's when your heart rate is pumping. That's how I get my exercise, man. I buy, or no, I sell a credit spread uh, at 2.30 p.m., right as the volume is ramping up towards the day of the close, the close of the day, and I just hope that it doesn't go past the strike price, which it will. It always does, or else you wouldn't have made any money off the premium. The whole point of the premium is that there's volatility implied in the contract, or else who would pay for that? Who would put money into an options contract if there was zero possibility that it was going to go in the money? Well, yeah, that's why it's price, everything's priced in. So if you sell a contract with a premium, that premium that you're getting is not for free. You're getting paid because of the volatility that you're going to have to wither through, like a storm. If you sell an option contract, it doesn't really matter uh, how far away it expires Zero DTE is what I'm doing, and that means by the end of the day, it's worthless. If you buy in the last 30 minutes of the day, you're nuts. But you can scoop up some premium, and sometimes it doesn't do anything. Sometimes it goes the complete opposite direction. But typically, the reason you're being paid a premium is because the volatility is priced into that premium, and it will probably touch or go past the strike price and not expire worthless. It will have a non-extrinsic value, have an intrinsic value by the time it expires, which means you'll lose money. The extrinsic value is the premium that you are getting paid. You hope that it uh, decays to zero, to worthless. Then you don't even have to sell it or buy it back in this case. You don't even have to buy it to close. You just let it expire worthless and you're happy. But then you just want to do it again because you never feel satisfied selling options. You always, even if you make like a thousand bucks in one day, it's like, oh man, the market, I got to wait a whole nother 24 hours to do this again. Less than that because the market opens at 8 a.m. So 8.30 a.m. So anyway, so it's very fun. It's riveting. It's like you get a punch of adrenaline anytime a contract is sold. You go, oh crap, it's sold. Okay, I guess I'll sell some more on the opposite side of the trade. I'll sell some uh, bull spreads if I sell bearish spreads. So this is very esoteric. I doubt anyone's going to give a crap. Uh, yeah, it's fun. I just, I just I've been doing it for a month, and I, I don't know if I'm getting better at it or if I've – I certainly can't say I'm even close to good at it because I've lost a lot more money than I've made. 
So I have to keep going to the casino. Now it's not even a choice. I At least the good part is I've been waking up at 8 a.m. every single weekday. For over a month. Not a single missed day. That's how exciting it is to be a day trader for zero DTE options. Because you could... The earlier is the better. Like Zero DTE is extremely risky. But you know how much you can lose at, at max the second you sell. Before you even sell it, you, you look at it and say, okay, I'm going to lose upwards of a thousand bucks at most if this goes against me. And I'll make at most 50 bucks. That's usually what I go for. Sounds ridiculous, but there's low the chances of it actually going to max loss are pretty typically pretty low if you're only trying to get 50 bucks max profit because look at the ratio the max loss is so big compared to the max profit that implies usually i mean it always implies of i hope that the risk of it actually going in the money is pretty low it still depends on the implied volatility for the day if the federal if there's upcoming news later in the day like the day that jay powell spoke implied volatility did not drop throughout the day theta was not helping you until he was done speaking which was already at the end of the day it was only like an hour after that so anyway it's very intense but if you sell at the very beginning of the open mar of the market opening you could usually you have much more time and it's less stressful to sell on both sides of the trade an iron condor you sell a put debit or a put credit spread and our call credit spread which is a bullish and bearish position you're, you're hoping that the price of the underlying in this case the spx stays where it is at the time that you sold you're just hoping that it just doesn't move at all so you don't want volatility. You're making money from volatility, but you don't want it. That's what hurts you. So it's kind of contradictory. You're making money because people are expecting volatility. And you're hoping that they're wrong. So that's a weird... It's a contradictory... It's like, what are you doing? So I don't know if it's going to be something I'm going to be doing for very much longer. Because every time I lose money, which is a lot of the time... It takes a lot of discipline to tell myself to just, okay, close your trades. You've, you've made, you're up for the day. You remember how it felt yesterday, just yesterday when you lost a shitload? Remember that feeling? Well, you have a chance to, to close out today at a small profit, but then I just might, I just go, well, yeah, but I, I don't want to, I want to make a big profit. So then you keep opening contracts and all it takes is as it gets closer and closer to the end of the day, since there's zero day till expiry options, you, you get smaller and smaller volatility implied volatility. So the premiums go smaller and smaller as the day progresses. So then it becomes extremely, then it is like playing a lottery. Then it is like gambling because it's like, okay, I could still scrape a tiny bit of pennies so, but it's like, yeah, I, why not? So it takes discipline. So it's like, even though it's not hard, it's like not that technical of a thing to do, just selling put credit spreads and 
iron condors, the hard part is deciding when to close them. Because ideally, you, you never want to close them. You want to leave them up until they expire, but you're opening yourself up to risk. So you're supposed to close them at like 25% of max profit, which is not satisfying enough. So you keep letting them ride out until the end of the day, and then the, the market starts moving against you. And you go, oh, well, now I have to sell it at a loss. I could have taken a profit, but because of greed, I am now forced to take a big loss. So the, that's where the discipline comes in. And I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. I'm telling myself, I'm like, you know, remember that feeling of where you lost a lot of money? Because you have to stay above a certain amount in your portfolio or else you can't day trade. You need at least 25K of total value in your portfolio to be a day trader. And I got very close to going below that. So that I was like, well, I'm at the very bottom of where I could stay a day trader. So I have to be profitable today. If I lose even a couple bucks, I'm done being a day trader. So it's like you be as conservative as possible. And it's not that hard because... Usually the market, you know, not usually, but it's not that hard to at least make a couple bucks per day doing this. If you're very careful and you only open low delta positions, uh, like credit spreads that are very far out of the money and then telling yourself, okay, time to close it at a small profit and just keep doing that. And then you stop. Stop at like 2 p.m. at the latest. Anything after that is gambling. You should really stop at like 1 p.m. Central. But sometimes you just want to keep them open. Let it ride. It's fun. It's fun to let it ride. Anyway, so that's what I've been doing. I'm still down a lot. And uh, I don't really know if I'm ever going to recover those lost funds. Because... You could have five, ten winning days in a row, and all it takes is one bad day to make it to lose all that, to lose your gains. And then when you when you're down, you just want to take even bigger risks. It's called revenge trading. It's like, well, now I'm pissed off. Now I'm going to sell a shitload of options to try to recoup what I just did myself. Because you could be like trading all day and have. Tons of profitable trades in a row, and all it takes is one bad one to negate all that progress you made. So by the end of the day, it's like, well, what the hell was I doing all day? I put in all this time, and now I lo I got nothing out of it. I met, I lost money. What kind of job is that? It's the kind of job that I chose. So. I'll let you know how that is. Hopefully I'll be not dead by by the next time I do this. I will have more gray hairs. Definitely by that point because of the uh, this rough and tumble exposure that is being a day trader. But I want money. And, I want, and once I get money in excess, I put it other places where it's not going to be gambled away. But I haven't been able to do that in a while because I've only really been losing money. I had a couple of good days since I last traded. The past two days were good, but the markets didn't do anything. If the market doesn't do anything, you'll make money doing nothing. It's like zero uh, risk management. 
you could max out your buying power. You could sell the maximum amount of options that it'll let you and you'll make full profit doing nothing after that if the market stays flat. If the market moves, you're screwed. All you can do is sell at a loss or hope it bounces back. But you have to decide, okay, I guess I have to sell this at a loss. So this is hard. I'm still messing around with it. So I hope you learned something. So have a good, I hope you all have a good day. And uh, fuck communism.